Stories of the human spirit. Candid conversations about action, passion, and love. The Law of Action is about living in balance, moving forward with momentum in inspired action. Overcome challenges, create success, amplify your life, and achieve things you never thought possible. It's all waiting for you. If you're ready to break through your fears and live your life in massive action, this is the show for you. He's a best-selling author, speaker, advisor, your host, Mr. Action himself, Rob Actis. Welcome to the show, Action Takers. Glad to have you here today. Living the Law of Action is based on my book, The Law of Action. And I love to connect with the movers and shakers of the world who are passionate about the good they do for others and who listen to their hearts, taking inspired action every single day. If it's your first time joining us or you've been with us for a while, I want to personally thank you for listening in and being here. Please rate and review The Living Law of Action Show on your favorite podcast platform. And on this show, well, my guests are incredible. People who are forces for good in the world around them and live a life of massive inspired action. My guest today, well, he does just that. In this episode, my good friend, Noble Gibbons, and I discuss the unaddressed emotional issues in life. If you want to understand that unaddressed emotional issues don't get better over time and they compound and learn how to start your emotional growth journey, action takers, This is the show for you. Noble is my friend, and he's also someone you'd least expect to be talking about feelings and emotions. Like I look at him on screen, he doesn't look that guy. He's a former emotionally clueless West Point Army Ranger. Okay, that's so badass. And is now a certified emotional intelligence practitioner. You made that up. You made that up. A corporate (laughs) EQ leadership coach and podcast host of EQ gangster. Now, don't let the big beard and tattoos fool you. Noble is a pure energy person with passion. He brings 23 years of experience as an entrepreneur and international keynote speaker to help corporate clients, entrepreneurs, leaders, and influencers get their emotions working for them, not against them. Noble, welcome to the Living the Law of Action show. Big Rob, what's up, man? It is so good to see you, brother. I love your hairdo, man. I know, right? I know, right? Oh, man. How are you, my brother? I'm doing amazing. Absolutely amazing. Thank you for asking. Thanks for having me on the show, too, Rob. Dude, absolutely. Absolutely. All right. So, first of all, thank you for your service. Like, first and foremost. My pleasure. The 800-pound gorilla in the world room can't even talk. I'm, I'm emotionally moved. My <clears throat> my wife is uh, is a for, is a former retired army. She was in the first Kuwait War, and uh, man, <clears throat> all right, got a little emotional there. I just really am humbled by all you that have served. It's it's really um, pretty incredible. That's an army ranger, man. You're jumping out of planes and stuff, or helicopters, That's right? Or doing other scary stuff. Planes That's and helicopters. Right. Air, air, me airplanes yeah some people drive to work i used to jump out of airplanes to get to work that's amazing like that's amazing okay so you know the, the law of action is based on decide plan and act and it's about overcoming your fears and living a life of massive inspired action so let's just dive into that you okay you're a badass i got it west point army ranger got it when you jumped out of the plane for the first time, please tell me you had fear and you were afraid. Please. 
<laughs> you're gonna, if you're going to say no, you're going to say, I had no fear. Oh. <laughs> so, so I was, I was nervous, but I don't know that I would call it fear because of how well they train you. So that's a great even tip on dealing with fear. Okay. The, the more okay. they train you, you know, now again, not that I wasn't experiencing some nervousness and stuff, but, but, uh, but definitely, definitely nervous. But I don't know that I was necessarily afraid because I, I felt like they had prepared us for every scenario, every situation. But now obviously to experience it the first time, I remember the first two weeks is airborne school is three weeks. The first right. two weeks is, is preparation and ground training and how do you land and how do you fall and all that kind of stuff. And then the third week, you actually go and do five live jumps out of an airplane, C-130 at the time. And okay. the first time being up in the air, you typically jump out about a thousand feet. I think maybe an airborne school was 1500 feet in the 82nd. <laughs> I think we jumped between 800 and, and 1200 feet. And when you, you know, when, when, when the air plus what happens is there's an air force guy who's on the airplane and he, he's the guy that opens up the door of the C one thirties, right? So both doors open up. So this guy opens up both doors and then okay. uh, they do an initial check from the air force guy and the air force guy hands the door over to an army, what we call a jump master, a primary jump master and uh, a safety is on the other door and, and well, two jump masters and two safeties. But, but anyway, when they first open up that door, when you're, you know, 1500 feet above the ground and just to yeah. hear the, the, the rush of the wind, it was, it was pretty exhilarating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I bet. Okay. All right. Someone is zero in on that. So when they were, when you're day one of flight training or, or jump training, did you have fear of like, Oh my God, I'm going to jump out at a thousand feet. And then they start talking about all the things that can happen to you and how ways you can die. Where was there no fear? Are you just like this fearless man? Is that what's going no. on here? <laughs> no, no. <laughs> It was more excitement. I was more excited. Um, man, that was, I think there's other things that I may have been afraid of, but that was not necessarily one of them. I was, I was excited. I was, there's just a rush, the exhilaration. You're feeling exhilaration. You're feeling excitement. Okay. Feeling, well, this is zero in this. Are you afraid of heights? No. Uh -uh. Okay. Well, that's the difference. Okay. Cause I'm afraid of heights. So I'm just okay. getting all, I, 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 Oh, this makes me so nervous. I had another podcast guest and, and he was talking about it. He does jumps and I'm just like, oh my God. Like, I'm just like, my face is probably red right now. And I'm like, how could you not be afraid? How could you not be afraid? I just, you don't have to be afraid, you know? And so, and it's funny because I think back to a time when I was in a word of heights and I said, you know what? I'm going to fly in a helicopter because that's a great way to get over a fear of heights. Right. And the funny story is, is that I was with my wife. We're in Hawaii. I'm going to get in the helicopter. And I thought that she would say no because she doesn't like me to spend a lot of money. So I got this VIP tour. And I thought she'd go, I go, let's go in a helicopter. She goes, okay, let's look at it. And so we're looking and I'm like, so I picked the VIP package, right? The big one. And I'm like, she's not going to go for that. So I get to act like I'm going to be jumping or jumping into the helicopter and, and flying away. And uh, she said, you know what? Let's splurge. And I'm like, oh, crap. That sucks. So the next day, I was all worried, and we're getting in there, and there's little 10 or 11-year-old kids who are like, oh, we're going to go in a helicopter. I'm like, shut up. Just shut up. And then we go into the room, and they're talking about all the ways that we can die in the helicopter. Like, you know, they say, if this happens, and this happens, and you have to do the thing, and I'm just like, this is awesome. Just love it. 
just freaking love it. I didn't. So then we're walking and I got to tell you, I was just losing it, but I'm like, okay, I have a feeling that when I pass through this fear, that my whole life will be different. Mm -hmm. And I, I don't know what that's going to look like, but I feel it and I owe it to all of the people that follow the law of action, this approaching the fear. I'd already written the book and it was right before it was published. And I'm like, oh man, I have to do this because I'm Mr. Action. I'm a guy that breaks through fears. I'm like, well, this sucks. And then I thought, you know, if I do this, it will transform my life. And then also it'll inspire the people. So I got in the helicopter and uh, I'm sitting there and Captain Dave is there and he's getting ready to take off. There's great music. We had our headphones on. The kids are like, this is so great. I'm like, shut. And my face is getting really red. I'm getting really stressed out. The helicopter is whirring and getting, you know, starting to really take off. 30 seconds before I knew, he goes, all right, we're going to be taking off in about about a minute. And I'm just sitting there and I'm just like 30 seconds go by. And I'm just reaching over to just go, you got to get me off this thing. Like, you, I got to go. Like, I'm out of here. And I just took a deep breath and I just said, let's face this head on. Let's just face this head on. And I did. Yep. And matter of fact, I got to post a video because I have the video of it. My face just turned blood red and we took off. It was a crazy exhilaration and it was overwhelmingly fearful. And then all of a sudden I got so calm. Mm. Like I was, it was the most, and then I got off the helicopter and it was such a beautiful ride. We flew over waterfalls and volcanoes and, and I was like, wow, look what fear stops you from experiencing. And I was so zen-like and calm, which I'm usually not zen-like and calm. And it's just amazing. So, you know, that's something that I can easily say now. But, you know, you're this big, burly guy. You're bald-headed, army ranger. And, you know, men don't share their emotions. They bottle those up. I, on the other hand, have learned a long time ago that I don't do that. I mean, I'm pretty... If I'm emotional, if I, you know, if I see a movie, I'm going to cry. I, I don't care. And yeah. um, I'm really happy about that. But I know a lot of people, men and women, that just really compress their emotions, good and bad. Right. Absolutely. hundred percent. So what, in fact, I've got a, I've got a free course I did on specifically this, this concept. So um, on my website, I've, I taught, I, my, my free course is kind of an intro to emotional intelligence and the four deadly sins of emotions, which Sweet. are st stuffing, avoiding, stewing, and brooding. Stuffing, yeah. avoiding, stewing, and brooding. And that's what many people, especially men, find themselves doing is those, those four deadly sins of emotions. Well, it's been proven that when you stuff your emotions and you don't address situations at hand, you get sick. And not only do you get Absolutely. sick, but you die. That's right. That's right. I've got a couple great quotes. So the one you said in the intro, unaddressed emotional issues do not get better over time. They actually no. compound. Number one. Number two is a, a guy on, on one of my podcast episodes told me this and I've never forgot it since. He said, Noble, if you don't deal with your emotional issues, your family will. Absolutely. And that hit me like a like a Mack truck. And then the, the next one is pain and bitterness that's not transformed will be transferred somewhere else in your life. Pain and bitterness that's not transformed will be transferred somewhere else in your life. Absolutely. Yeah, it's, 
it's so important to really get in balance. And, and that, you know, when people say that I believe in balance, they think work this much, play this much. No, balance with your emotions, balance with your chi, balance with your soul and your spirit. You know, one of the things that I do is I meditate and I meditate every day. And I also do gratitude at night before I go to bed and in the morning when I wake up. And if I have a stressful day, which I sometimes do, and it's usually, you know, I'm doing a podcast and I'm waiting and waiting and a guest never shows up and I need, I, you know, I've locked that time. That's kind of stressful for me. And so I'm like, all right, relax. So it sounds funny, but 110 degrees outside in Arizona and I take off my shoes and socks and I go walk in the grass. I mean, that's what I do. And I get connected with Mother Earth and that's how I really control my emotions. You know, there's, and it's interesting when we talk about emotions and that you can, I, I, I think that you're not doing, because I know some people that can't, that are very in touch with their emotions. However, they blow up their emotions on other people. So I, I think they need to learn how to dial it in. So it, it's just like this. You know, whatever happens in your life, it's like, there's a story, but I won't go into the great story, but it's funny in that this, this guy loses a horse, a little bit of the horse, loses his horse. And he goes to the neighbor and he's like, oh man, I lost my horse. Have you seen it? He goes, oh man, that's really bad luck. You lost your prized horse, your, your stud. And he goes, good luck, bad luck. We'll see. And then what happens? The next day, the stud brought back 20 wild horses. And the neighbor comes back and goes, congratulations, that's such great good luck. And he goes, good luck, bad luck, we'll see. You know, it's really the label that you put on it and how you look at it because it's just something that happened. Is it good luck? Like, you know, you think, oh, my God, I lost my horse. And you go scream and yell and it's the end of the world and all that stuff. And then the next day, 20 wild horses come and you have a whole... Ga- not gaggle, but you ever heard of horses? I'm not an animal person. So, you know, it's just amazing. So what are some ways when you're talking about your feelings and expressing your feelings that you can contain that? Cause I know that's an issue with men. They get upset and they want to fight. They want to, they want to flight. Um, yeah. So great, great question. So the, the, the industry standard of emotional intelligence. So first of all, let me define it. Emotional intelligence, the way I define it personally is the ability to acknowledge, identify, process and manage your own emotions and the emotions of others. Daniel Goleman wrote a book many years ago called Emotional Intelligence. It's, it's pretty an academic cerebral book. That's not the first book I would recommend folks go read about emotional intelligence because it's, it's pretty meaty. <laughs> um, but he, he kind of has kind of, kind of coined four primary areas. Now, since then, there are many other models of emotional intelligence, but he kind of coined the standard four areas, self-awareness, self-management, social awareness, social management. There's a big difference between being aware of your emotions and being able to manage your emotions. And Absolutely. like you, like you stated there, there are a number of people. In fact, the younger generation. So a lot, there's been a lot of talk over the past handful of years on emotions and awareness and that kind of thing, which the younger generation, gen, the, the, the Gen Z, the millennials and stuff, many of them are aware of their emotions. They don't have very good self management coping tools. 
So no. again, now, now to your question. So what are some great tools that folks can use that men can use to, to cope? So what I like to do, I, I'm an ex- executive coach where I teach emotionally intelligent leadership. And that is something that I do with each individual executive is I ask them to come up with a menu of emotional coping mechanisms or systems or processes that they, that work for them. Putting your toes right. in, in, in the grass is, is, is great for you. That's how you get back in touch with, the, with, with the world and yeah. the universe and stuff and kind of centering yourself. For me, it's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. That's my, nice. that's, that's one of my coping mechanisms. It, it forces me to be present. I have to be present very in the moment. I have to, which is requires mindfulness. Mindfulness is, it requires a lot of attention and intention to be mindful. So it's physically, you know, engaging. It's mentally engaging. It's emotionally engaging. And so for me, that's, it's Brazilian Jiu Jitsu. It may be also listening to music. Sometimes I like listening to seventies tunes. Sometimes it's eighties tunes. Sometimes it's heavy metal. Sometimes it's reggae. I know I liked you. I know I liked you. You're making me cry though. I, I will tell you, I got tears in my eyes. It's kind of funny and sad. Um, so I suffered a blood, a blood clot. Um, a few years ago is from the top of my hip down to my ankle. So I'm on blood thinners. I take blood thinners every day. And before I had my blood clot, I was doing Muay Thai for an hour a day and I was boxing a day and I was just starting to learn um, Brazilian Jiu Jitsu from a master. Like the guy was, he brought it from Brazil to the United States and he's in Arizona. And um, I missed that because it was a great release of energy and have to be so, yeah, I missed it. And I'm yeah, just, yeah, you know, talk about it. I just got tears in my eyes. I'm like, oh, what is that? I miss that. Like, that's one of the things that I really miss because I'm not a violent person, but I really enjoyed that intensity. Like, I really enjoyed the intensity. And um can't do that because... If I bleed, I may die. <laughs> right, sure. So now right. I listen to music. I listen to music. <laughs> Matter of fact, you'll relate to this. So the other night, I was upset with my daughter. 22-year-old daughter just moved into my house with me and uh, re- 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 regrouping. It's a it's a place for her to land, and she's regrouping and getting ready to launch again. And so <clears throat> she upset me so much. And uh, I was listening to Gwar. So that's what I was doing. <laughs> I just, just screaming. It's like, and I felt better. You know, no one got right. hurt. That's right. You know, it was great. No, <laughs> no people were hurt in it. You know, she was annoyed by the loud music, but I was like, it was just kind of funny because it was Guar. So, yeah. Right. That's right. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah. and so figure out what, what, what works for you. <laughs> and, and also, not just that, but like the timing, right? So at that moment, it was right. war. Maybe another time, it's Simon and Garfunkel. Another time, it may be Metallica, right? So figuring out what you need when, but that that Pink requires Floyd. self-awareness. Yeah, Pink Floyd. Pink Floyd. Right, there you go. A little Pink Floyd. Absolutely. Pink Floyd. <laughs> yeah. right. And then, you know, it, it's. It, I love you brought up mindfulness. I think mindfulness is is so, people just, they're not connected. They're just not connected they don't feel even you know simple as drinking a glass of water you can feel that feel the glass and feel it against your lips and you know what are some other mindfulness that you do or you recommend so another one that i think is very powerful and i have to develop this so i'm I'm very novice in this area but breathing 
one of the things oh, that I, the breathing. Yeah. I, I am Love huge breathing. in with jujitsu, what happens is, so I'm, I'm older and bigger than 99% of people at my gym. And it, it attracts, it's a, co- a competition gym. So a, a lot of, we've got some Olympic athletes that train with us. We've got some Division One college athletes that train with us. We've got some soldiers, special forces guys, active duty soldiers right. that train with us. So there's a lot of aggression, young guys and aggressive. And a lot of the white belts, I'm a, I'm a pretty young, uh, new blue belt. And, and so congratulations. Of, thank you. I appreciate that. And one of the things I've been doing for four years, one of the things that all the young guys, the white uh, belt guys come in, they're super intense and they use their muscles and they're trying to muscle me. And I'm, again, I'm older <laughs> than 90. Right. I mean, I'm, I could be these money, these guys. I was one dads. of the old guys too. I got my ass kicked a lot. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. And I tell him, I said, look, in the middle of the roll, I'll stop. I said, stop, stop. And they're, they're breathing. And I said, I said, listen to your breath and listen to my breath. Right. I am at least twice as old as you. And I'm, I'm bigger than you. There's no yeah. reason why I should be able to have a full conversation right now. And you are almost hyperventilating. I said, You've got to slow your breathing down. I said, because, and here's the other thing too, physiologically, here's what happens. When, when you get in that fight or flight state, and I know sometimes the tension of, of, of a role in jujitsu, it can right. trigger that fight or flight mechanism. But what happens is what happens to the brain, it now takes your, all of your different courses of action in the military, we call it COAs, all of our courses right. of action into fight, flight, or freeze. So your brain right. is only considering three options. Whereas me, since I'm calm and I am present and I'm mindful because of my breathing, I can think of a hundred different options right now, which makes me more effective in that moment as a leader in decision making. So if you apply this to leadership and decision making, I've got a hundred different options I can consider right now where you can only consider three, none of which right. may be a good option. Absolutely. And, you know, think about this in, in these movies where you see, um, a guy running and, uh, you know, a robot or something running after it. The, the person who's in the lead, who's running away from the aggressor is in fight, flight, or freeze. And they're just like, <laughs> and the other guy's just like, and making all these calculations and, you know, it, it pays to be calm. It, it, it really does. And you know, those cortisol levels can kill you. And that's uh, right. It's important. That's right. You know, people get worked up. I, I mean, I've seen people on phone calls and, you know, at hotels and they're having a bad day and they're just getting, you could see their face get all red and life is so short and so precious. That's right. And it's that's really right. important to, to connect with your emotions. And to connect with your being and your soul and your spirit. That's it, right. It, it, it makes going through life so much more enjoyable because if you're in those fight, flight, or freeze moments and you're angry all the time, you miss all the beauty of the world. You miss the people in your life. And it, and it goes fast. And at any moment, you could lose that. That's right. Ultimately, what happens is you lose, you lose the, the richness of relationships. One of my pastors that I, uh-huh. I used to go to church back in North Carolina, he would say, the quality of your life is determined by the quality of your relationships. 
So if you allow yourself to be emotionally hijacked or emotionally triggered in a relationship and you don't have the emotional coping mechanisms to know how to work through that, you can, right. I've met so many people, I've met 75 and 80 year old people that have stopped talking to some of their siblings for 40 wow. and 50 years because of an emotional intelligence issue, emotional and maturity. They don't issue. even, most of them don't even know why they stopped. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. And so I think about, man, think about what they missed in their life due to yeah. an emotional issue from, from this, 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 a family member that they yeah. could have had an amazing relationship with if they just had the awareness and the management to be able to manage their emotions. So I believe that communication is extremely important in relationships and in, in business and all of your interactions. So how does communication work with yourself, your being and communicating with yourself about your emotional intelligence? Man, that's a great question. So one thing that I've had to learn is, is grace and space. So for me, my, my generation, or let me just use me specifically, I was raised in a, in a, in a time period and in a culture and in Western society where literally emotions and feelings were cuss words to me. So first of all, I was raised in a house where my, my, my mom and I love my parents, but they, they did not know anything about emotions or feelings and emotions. And so guess what? We never talked about it. So when we handled conflict in our house, we'd yell and scream at each other. My mom's a four foot ten little Hispanic lady. My dad was a big giant white guy, so I look like my dad, but I've got a lot of the Hispanic. So you know, had a shoe thrown at you often, right? <laughs> La chancla. <laughs> That's right. And so my mom raised me speaking Spanish, but we'd yell at each other, yell and scream at each other. Whoever yelled the loudest won. We'd, we'd stomp off yeah. in our respective corners of the house, come back an hour later, and literally act like nothing happened. So there was no processing of emotions. There was no conflict resolution. So I, I grew, and all of us, we learn our emotional foundations from our childhoods. And then I go to West Point. Right. Not a lot of talking about feelings and emotions at West Point. Then I go to Ranger School, no. Airborne Infantry, all that stuff in the 82nd, not talking about there. And then I get into business world, 20, 20 plus year entrepreneur, not talking about feelings and emotions. That's how I ended up being a guy in the third quarter of my life, not having the first clue about feelings and emotions. And so for me, when I yelled at my wife three times in, in three weeks, my wife said three things. Number one, don't ever do that again. Number two, you've never done that before, which means number three, you've got more issues than Time Magazine, right? So we went to counseling, <laughs> right? <I love> <laughs> right? <laughs> so we, we went to I counseling. I like your wife already. I like your wife already. I love it. Because how, tall, how tall are you? How tall are I'm you? I'm 6'1". And you're how, how much do you weigh? You weigh I'm, just like I'm 110 pounds? That's yeah. right. <laughs> so I love your wife. I can just imagine looking at you going, you will never yell at me again. Oh, absolutely. Because I will take you out. I mean, I don't know how big your wife is, but I don't think she's six foot one, 240 pounds. And no. I love, I love that about her. I mean, and that's, oh, that was probably a, a big reality check. Huge. Because I don't like to be yelled at. People in my life don't yell at me. Absolutely. No, that's exactly it's a, right. It's a, it's a big challenge for my daughter right now because she thinks it's okay to yell. Well, I'm pissed off. Well, no. No. Right. Right. I there's no one in this world that yells at me. You're not going to be the only one. Right. So you've got to get your emotions in check. That's and exactly that's so right. important. Right. And then so like everybody yells and I go, No, it's not normal to yell. 
there's no reason to yell. That's right. There's just that, not. That's right. But but again, that's that's the symptom, right? Yelling right. is the symptom. So Correct. so for like we taught our daughter, our daughter's 13, so a few years ago, thank God I've been growing my emotional intelligence as she entered the, the teen years. I mean, I'm so thankful. Right, Congratulations. She's going, right. <laughs> <That's> right. <laughs> Congratulations. Yeah. 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 Right. So <laughs> we have been teaching her all these emotional coping tools as well so that she never gets to the point where she feels like she has to yell because she's That's been, great. she knows how to identify, acknowledge, identify, process, and manage her own emotions now. And so yeah. she never gets to the point where she feels like she needs to yell. So, which is a, a tremendous blessing. But if I, if I hadn't been going through this emotional growth journey, it would be yelling and screaming just like I grew up in the household I grew up in. And so I grew yeah. up in to kind of come full circle to your, to your question there. I grew up in a, in a culture and environment where, where for me, all the stories that I had attached to feelings and emotions were negative. You're a sissy. If you talk about feelings and emotions, feelings and emotions are for women. That's a sign of weakness. That was, those are the stories that I had built up over decades. And so right. once I realized that, no, dude, if you're not able to acknowledge, identify, process, and manage your emotions, for me, I was an idiot. I was walking around an emotional five-year-old being emotionally clueless. And here I was, I was a leader. I've been a leader for 20, 30 years, and I have right. been emotionally clueless that whole time. And it was embarrassing. And that's what really gave me the ownership and responsibility. Like, no, I'm sick and tired of being an emotional five-year-old. I have got to grow in this area because I was hurting the ones that I loved and I didn't want to do that anymore. Yeah, it does have an impact. You know, anger towards especially people you love has an impact on on them. You know, when someone yells at me, it feels like I get hit with a stick. It really does feel like I get hit. Um, I don't I don't take well to that. Um, and it's funny because here I was boxing and they they attribute one to the other, but it's not. Fighting in a sport is way different than because when you're fighting someone, you know, even when you're doing um, jujitsu, you're not mad at the person. They're not mad at you. You're just kind of doing a thing. And, you know, it's it's different. And when you can feel that energy of anger, you know, so I, I think it's really beautiful what you're doing. I a lot of people are really struggling right now. And the fact is that I don't know what the divorce rate is during this covid pandemic, but I can imagine that it's significant higher um i think i do know that domestic violence has massively increased on both both ends from women towards men and men towards women because they've been bottling up and they had that oh i only have to see her four hours a day i only have to see him three hours a day i make him breakfast give a kiss goodbye and everything's fine and then everybody was right on each on top of each other and that was the great awakening of 2020 and 2021 was Oh my God, I'm a monster. A lot of people realize that they were really messed up. That's exactly right. Like, so, so to to your to your initial point there, anger is a secondary emotion. It is not right. a primary emotion. So, there's always something that leads to anger. So, when I'm when I, I've come across somebody that has anger issues, that kind of thing. I always like to find out what's the emotion you were feeling before the anger. What what triggered it? Was it rejection? Was it sadness? Was it disappointment? Was it was it hurt? Was it emotional pain? And what was the emotion that led to the anger? Because it's a secondary emotion. And then to your point about the whole 
COVID stuff, emotional health and emotional intelligence has never been talked about more. What's but what's been ironic? Right. You know, ironic is the media. Right, ninety nine percent of the media is masking, not masking, vaccine, not vaccine, COVID, not COVID. Right, right. But everything has gone up: depression, suicide, domestic uh, abuse, yeah. addiction. It's all going through the roof. But nobody's right. talking about that. Everyone's talking about right. wear a mask or don't wear a mask. We're not talking about the consequences of locking up social, human, relational, emotional beings, isolating each other from each other. That's it's 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 tragic what's happening to so many people out there. Absolutely. Well, you know, I'm an extrovert, if you didn't know. And um, my wife is an introvert. And when this all went down, um, we were together 24 hours a day. And she's like, oh, my God, I love this. Look, if you met me in person, I'd give you a big hug because I love being connected to human beings. I, I before this stupid pandemic, man, I hugged, you know, 20, 30 people a day. That's just me. I go to a conference and I'd probably hug a hundred people. You know, I love, I love humans. And as an extrovert, this was incredibly difficult. Now I'm blessed. I live in Arizona. And the fact is apparently COVID doesn't exist in Arizona because we don't have a whole lot of social distancing and we don't wear a lot of masks out here and it doesn't have the impact. And then there's other parts of the country that they, they do have COVID and you know, it's, and I say that in jest, but it, I feel very lucky because I haven't had the trauma of what I know other people. I have some friends in Australia that are going through some serious emotional thing. They cannot go outside their house. They even, they're even, even regulating, regulating alcohol consumption. And it's just like, Wow. So it's all different everywhere. You never know. You just never know. And, and it's, it's, I think that people realize, don't realize, or maybe they do, but with anger, as you talked about anger or yelling. Um, and most of the time when you get into an argument with someone nine times out of 10, your anger is not towards a purpose person you're taking it out on. It's something that was triggered inside of you that you were mad about before that was stuffed deep down inside of you. Absolutely. Absolutely. What happens is the, because our, now, now here's what's fascinating. So we all get our emotional foundation from our childhood. What, right. It, it, we, we, every emotional injury that happens beginning in our childhood begins to build. And what I call it, it when I talk about this is, initially when I stuff and avoid as a child, it's like a cute, furry, fuzzy little monkey that I stuff in the basement. Well, right. the more, and every time, every emotional injury that happens that we don't process or, or heal from or deal with or face or grow from, we're feeding that cute, furry, fuzzy little monkey. Well, I did that for four decades and it became, it's funny that you mentioned that earlier on in the, in the episode, it became an 800 pound gorilla that I could no longer control. Wow. Right. And so right. and so now the, the smallest thing triggers this crazy response. And it's like, dude, I, I just forgot to roll the toothpaste up. Like, what is your deal? Right. But it's right. not the toothpaste. It's all these other emotional injuries that continue to grow and compound and compound and compound because we have not ever gone back and healed from any of those in the past that have happened to us. That's amazing. That's amazing. Well, if if you want to find out more about my buddy Noble, you can check him out at eqgangster.com. And 
He's full of a wealth of information. He's a he's a kind-hearted 800-pound gorilla or 120 pound or 220 whatever whatever you are the 800-pound gorilla. I don't know, <laughs> but man, my dear friend Noble, thank you so much for being here today and and sharing a little bit about emotions and and all all things. Just you know, having a, a calm, peaceful life. I really want to thank you for being here today. Thank you, Rob. It's so one last thing here. It's so funny you mentioned. Hugging. I have an episode on my podcast, episode 141, where I talk about the fact that I'm a second generation hugger and the power of hugs. <laughs> I knew that. I knew that. That's why, that's why we're friends, man. And we've never met in real life. We've only met virtually. And I'm like, dude, I would totally hug him. I totally hug him. It's just so great. Like, so when we meet in person, just know, man, we're hugging. We're going oh, to hug it. We're going to yeah. hug it and out. I don't do the t- right. And I don't do the pat on the back thing either, man. I'm there. <laughs> I'm all in. It's a good hug. You'll know I'm there. So that's you're right. Funny. Hey, let's talk about your podcast real quick before we wrap things up. Sure. So your podcast is called EQ Gangster. That's right. And the YouTube channel, same name. That's right. That's Look right. And, you, I, and I talk about I talk about all things emotional intelligence, but I don't come from I don't, I don't I'm not a, a Harvard PhD in behavioral science and stuff. I'm a again former you know army guy, uh, entrepreneur homeschool dad and i just share literally all my lessons learned i share all the junk in my trunk as i'm learning them real time this is how i failed today here are my lessons learned so it's a it's a very transparent very raw uh journey of of my own emotional growth and and then i also have a lot of a number of interviews as well that i share some some great folks as well talking about emotional health and emotional intelligence so cool and you know that's what i love about podcasters and podcasting is that we're really not in competition. We all have our own voice. And I just love just bringing some attention to your platform and bringing attention to your show. I think you're great. And I want to thank you so much for being here today on the Living the Law of Action show. Thank you so much for having me, brother. Absolutely. And thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy and precious day to listen. We so appreciate it. Thank you for allowing me, along with my very special guest and good friend, Noble Gibbons, to touch your heart, move you, inspire you. Remember... Decide, plan, and act. Take time out to breathe. Don't let fear stop you. Live a life of massive, inspired action. I'm Rob Actis. Until next time. Thank you for listening to the Living the Law of Action show with Mr. Action, Rob Actis. Please rate, review, and subscribe. 